0: Harris moving without the ball, gets it back for Irving, seven to shoot. Irving goes to work. Harris catching fire.
1: Oh, yeah! A three.
0: It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. BetQL and Radio.com have partnered up to help you beat the sports books. Use our promo code DAILY for 20% off any subscription. BetQL helps sports bettors of all types from the first-time bettors to hardcore. Make more informed betting decisions using data and analytics. Again, use our promo code DAILY for 20% off any subscription. Joe Ostrowski, John Jastrzemski, this is BetQL Daily on a Friday via the BetQL Audio Network, and uh, we appreciate Ian Begley for making time for us this morning. He covers the Knicks, Nets, and the Association  – for SNY uh, TV. Ian, let's start uh, with the Nets here, because if you look at the odds this morning, you would see the Nets as the second favorite in the NBA, plus 350, and the clear-cut favorite in the East at plus 140. After their recent run, uh, do you you think that's fair? Do you view Brooklyn as the second-best team?
2: Yeah, I do. And I think, you know, depending on what they can do at the trade deadlines, buyout market, if they can get a big, uh, who can defend, you know, I think I might put them ahead uh, even higher just because of the star power on that team and the idea that more recently they've started to come together on the defensive end. And if they're even average defensively, we know the way they're going to be able to score the ball in the playoffs. Uh, If they can get some stops based on how they're playing defense, I, I like them a lot in the East. Well, Ian, what's happening,
1: brother? It's always good chatting. And, you know, I was thinking about fading Brooklyn the other day against Sacramento. Because you know the deal. They come back off an undefeated road trip. They dominated the the Lakers. They had the big win over the Clippers. And, you know, you're back in your own bed. You may be a little lethargic. And I know it's Sacramento, so I don't want to be, like, going nuts and waving pom-poms. But doesn't it show you something now that Brooklyn, without Durant has just wiped the floor? with teams like Sacramento and Orlando, considering that earlier in the year, these are teams E&A was struggling with.
2: Absolutely, JJ. And it's good to talk to you when it's not after dark, but I, I do think <laughs> that you <laughs> make a great point, man. It's like, they—they, they, I think it was about the co- lack of cohesion and then just them, you know, getting used to each other on the floor uh, early on when they were losing to those teams that they should have been beating. Uh, that West Coast trip, I think, you know, did a lot for them to come together, you know, again, particularly on the defensive end. They did so much without Kevin Durant. They're doing so much without Kevin Durant. And that's why I feel really bullish about them. And I, you know, I do think that they're, you know, they're going to be able to add something at the deadline in the buyout market that will even make that defense better. So yeah, Steve Nash's group is in a really good spot right now. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle things uh, over the next month or so.
0: Uh, was this even close to the James Harden you were expecting?
2: Uh, you know what? I am. I'm, I was stunned because early on – well, first of all, let me back up for a second. He comes here and he says day one, you know, I, I just want to fit in. I want to facilitate. And, you know, you, you kind of – if you've watched the league for a long time, you don't know how much stock to put in those words. You're just saying the right thing. But then he hits the floor and he's becoming this distributor. He's become this distributor right off the bat, where you were wondering why is he not shooting enough. So the way he transforms himself from Houston Harden to Brooklyn Harden is just remarkable. And I think he deserves a ton of credit uh, for the way he's approached these games in Brooklyn and the way he has adapted and allowed Kyrie Irving to to not have to adapt as much as we thought he'd have to. And then when Durant gets back, you know, I think he's pretty versatile, but he'll allow Durant to be Durant. So, you know, hats off to James Harden and the, what, the adjustments that he has made to become this facilitator for this next team.
1: The great Ian Begley over at SNY he joins us here on BetQL Daily. Okay, Ian, Knickerbockers. It's amazing you look at where they're at in the Eastern Conference. Better record than Boston. Better record than Miami. Same record as the Toronto Raptors. I guess that's the Tibbs effect for you. But I thought last night, Watching Emmanuel quickly bounce back after a couple of rough games and light up the Sacramento Kings. Listen, he's not going to win the rookie of the year. They're probably guys who are a little ahead of him stat-wise. But do you think there was a little additional sense of motivation with uh, Mr. Halliburton on the other side of the court?
2: You know what? Just the confidence that he has, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if there was. And, and actually, J.J., you point that out, and that was a bad job by my colleagues and I for not asking quickly that last night. I mean, Wow, what a disgraceful job by the New York media Oh, last night. that's not all right. That. Listen, I think
1: you guys are <laughs> You guys are, are growing the players and the coaches enough every now and again. <laughs> Listen, you could just ask them today, tomorrow. I'm sure you'll figure and, it out.
2: I appreciate that. I'm going to give you credit on that one when we ask him. But, yeah, so the idea was with, with quickly, like, you know, such a young player. I think he was something like, three of 22 in his three games leading into that Sacramento game. But Thibodeau said that they were never worried about it because he's so confident and the, he works every day. Like he's the same player every day on the practice floor. So he had no, no worries at all about quickly in a potential shooting slump. And then, you know, he proved to be right because quickly came out and lit it up against Sacramento and he was fantastic. The interesting thing there is obviously Derek Rose slid into the starting point guard role with Alfred Payton out. So then you had a a scoring point guard in Rose in the starting lineup. You had a scoring guard in quickly uh, in the bench lineup, and it worked out pretty well. I just wonder if Tom Thibodeau sees that and thinks about making lineup adjustments based on what he saw last night.
0: Ian, I covered uh, Tibbs here in Chicago during th- that Bulls run when he had Derrick Rose, and it was funny. After he uh, he left, he had some time off. Then he took the job in Minnesota. I, I recall him saying, you know, I've learned a few things. I'm going to dial it back a little bit. Everybody here that covered him like, okay, yeah, whatever, Tibbs. We, we know how you are. You- you're going to grind every game, every minute. Is it uh, the same old Tibbs in New
2: York? You know, he's playing to win games. So from that respect – It hasn't changed, and I think you like that if you're a Nick fan and the Nick organization, that's why you brought him here. Whether he has dialed back how he's, you know, using players in practice, and and I I think he talked about making adjustments to that before he took the Nick job, and it's hard to tell. You know, I've asked him about it a couple of different ways, and I haven't gotten a a solid answer on it, but I would imagine just the Knicks aren't practicing that much because we're playing in the middle of a pandemic, so – it, it, right. I'm sure it's just bowed back because of that. And, you know, these guys, by and large, have, have stayed fresh. Um, Julius Randle's playing a lot of minutes, but I, I would think that the adjustments are made in non game days, right? In between games where you're not killing guys in practice after you play them 40 minutes or so. So I, I think just the effect of the pandemic has helped these guys stay fresh, as strange as that sounds. But Thibodeau's playing a win. And, you know, he's also, they also have to try to develop young players here and that's kind of the the crux of it this season is how much player development do you sacrifice for winning games so far we've seen the veterans get minutes over young players in the instance of like uh, Frank Nalakina and Kevin Knox and they're winning games so it's hard to argue with it
1: okay and they're a nice story they got a chance to make the postseason they're going to give Nick fans a meaningful second half of the year I think there's a lot to feel good about now You know it's a star-driven league. So I guess my question is, who is the guy you think they're going to prioritize, they're going to target, whether it's via trade, via free agency over the next, I don't know, 6, 12, 18 months that they're looking to add to this mix? Because I don't think there's any doubt. The Knicks know, as currently constructed, they still got a lot more work to do. Do you have one particular player in mind?
2: I would keep an eye. I'm not keeping an eye on Bradley Beal. I know every team is keeping an eye on Bradley Beal. The reason I wouldn't is because the Knicks would really have to gut their roster to bring Beal to New York. And then if you're Beal, you're leaving Washington because you want to win. You're not putting yourself in a situation in New York where you're going to win right away, unless you have, you know, uh, your buddies coming to play with you via free agency. So that's why I wouldn't put Beal at the top of that list. One player I would keep an eye on six, 12, 18 months is Zach Levine because Zach, obviously, incredible young talent. Um, previous regimes, there had been friction there. And, I, you know, he's, he says he he's happy with Billy Donovan. And I'm, I'm, I would imagine the Bulls are going to offer him an extension at some point. But if they don't extend him and things go a little bit sideways, then you could see them listening to trade offers for Levine. He's going to be a free agent two in two summers. He would cost a lot in the trade, but where he is age-wise and what he does on the floor, I just think he'd be the kind of fit that the Knicks would be looking for via trade. And I don't think if you're a Knicks, you can wait on free agency. I think you have to be aggressive in the trade market if you want to to acquire a number one.
0: Yeah, the way uh, Levine's playing right now, you're number seven, but he's still only 25 years old. He's going to end up getting a max deal with the numbers that he's throwing up on a nightly basis. Uh, The Bulls somehow relevant in the Eastern Conference with the Begley, SNY-TV. This is uh, BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. Uh, so in the Eastern Conference overall, uh, Ian, you look to the top for most, if we're talking title run, it's Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Those are the teams you could really make a case. Which, which team's the biggest threat to Brooklyn?
2: I think Philly. I mean, you look at the way Joel Embiid has played by and large this season. You look at the way Ben Simmons has guarded. Uh, you know there's rumor I think it was my guy keith Keith Pompey in Philly reporting that Kyle Lowry uh has eyes on playing in Philadelphia. I know Mark Borstein is the reason came out and denied that, but if Philly was able to trade for Kyle Lowry, I mean that's a tough, tough team, tough team, and they that core has played together they've been through the playoffs together in Simmons and Embiid. so. Yeah, I, I really think that the Nets would have a tough time matching up against Embiid unless they were a choir center. So that's that's the team that I'm looking at. If I'm Brooklyn, and I'm saying that's who I have to get ready for uh, once we get deep into these Eastern Conference playoffs.
1: Ian, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm getting suckered into the Utah Jazz. They whooped the Lakers the other night. I know it's a regular season game, and I know Anthony Davis was not there. But if you look at their efficiency numbers on offense, on defense, they got a star in Donovan Mitchell. They got a ton of three-point shooting. Is this a championship contender? I'm starting to think yes.
2: I mean, the depth and the way they're playing right now, they have the profile of a championship contender because you mentioned the numbers, J.J., and they're obviously top 10 offense, top 10 defense in the league. And that's what you look at when you talk about title contenders because traditionally team that wins the title – uh, more often than not, is top ten in both categories. And, again, you talk about uh, a playoff-tested group, a group that's had continuity together, tremendous coach and Quinn Snyder. You know, I think they should be there. I don't see them getting past the Laker team that's fully healthy. Uh, you know, who who's going to slow down Anthony Davis? I mean, that's, that's a tough matchup for the whole league. Uh, but certainly the way they're playing right now, you could see them getting all the way to that Western Conference final uh, and giving the Lakers, you know, a tough time.
0: Ian LeBron's still the betting favorite to be the MVP despite losing five of their last six games, uh not looking great without A D. Who would be your pick right now?
2: I, I would go LeBron uh until I see clear, clear evidence otherwise. Cause I you just don't bet against LeBron James in, in, in any kind of uh you know MVP award. Cause I think he he wants it this year. You know, he's playing a lot of minutes. He's not and he's you know, I know they've lost. They've struggled without AD, but let's say they win a few games without AD. They they write the ship. He drives the bus, and then AD comes back, and then they start rolling. Their narrative will be that LeBron you know, held serve with Davis out, and then they start to roll again. So I think he can make that clear-cut case for MVP. That's why I'm still going with him uh, until I, again, see clear-cut evidence that it's going to be somebody else.
1: Ian, real quick, percentage, New York Knickerbockers back in the postseason, what would you put it at on February 26th?
2: I'm going to go 55% because I think wow. they're going to make a move at the Pretty deadline good. to boost the offense. I think they'll get in that play-in tournament. And, uh, you know, single games, Tom Thibodeau, veteran group, I like their chances in that playing tournament.
0: Ian Begley, Eddie and Begley on Twitter, TV. Ian, thanks for jumping on this morning.
2: My pleasure, fellas. Take care.
0: Later. Stuff from Ian there. I I can't vote for LeBron right now. How about you, JJ? I mean, I listen.
1: I want Embiid to win the award. I'm in on the Sixers. So yeah. to me, I want to see Embiid continue to go and dominate. It's no fun looting for LeBron James and the Lakers. But at this point, Joe, o, he deserves to be the betting favorite. I mean, the I got a bet on there.
0: I, I got a bet on Jokic at 33. But I agree with you that Embiid should be the favorite right now. I mean, that, look at the numbers. That, He's that's put how up the in voters six years are going to be, and
1: combine that with the record that he has. Uh,
0: enough yeah. said. I, I think what Ian said right there—that's that's the mentality of a lot of voters. It's got knock LeBron out. Is anybody going to do that? It's a good thing to see our Bulls and Knicks here. You know, back in the mix, somewhat what is relevant. Nineteen ninety-six sounds great. Man. <laughs> sounds great. All Right. We only had the last dance over the summer. That's uh, JJ. I'm Joe Ostrowski. This is a BetQL Daily. We'll talk some football with Eric Eager of PFF quarterback rumor mill. That's next. You're locked into the BetQL audio network.